Hello, my name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege to welcome you to the Culture Watch podcast, a podcast of speaking for him. Uh, for those who are new here, this podcast looks at news and current events from a Christian perspective, and we are glad to have you here. You can hear the Speaking for Him podcast on Wednesdays on this same podcast stream, and on weeks when I preach, you can hear my latest sermon upload on Fridays with sometimes slight delays, but that is the general schedule. So let's look at the news for the week of July 17th. We start out with a renewed but familiar story involving the Mothers for Liberty. The Parental Rights Group Moms for Liberty has quickly become a powerful political force in America, and it's now launching a nationwide effort to elect its preferred members to school board posts in an effort to defend parents' rights in the classroom. Joining us now is Tiffany Justice. She is the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. Uh, clearly, you're doing something that is rattling folks on the left because you're getting coverage like this from the Associated Press, quote, Moms for Liberty, a, quote, parental rights group that has sought to take over school boards in multiple states, is looking to expand those efforts across the country and to other education posts in 2024 and beyond. The effort is setting up a clash with teachers unions and others on the left who view the group as a toxic presence in public schools. What do you say about coverage like that? I can't think of anything more toxic in public schools than children being indoctrinated and not taught how to read. So uh, the only thing the AP got wrong there was the fact that they put quotations around parental rights. We certainly are a parental rights organization. And what you're seeing is over 120,000 moms and dads coming together to put students first in schools, something that hasn't been happening a- up to this point, John. Again, nearly two-thirds of American kids cannot read on grade level in American public schools, but we spend $800 billion this year on public education? Yeah, again, you know, when you, when you take a look at the reaction on the left, you think that maybe you're frightening people. Listen to a couple of these quotes from folks on MSNBC. Listen here. Not since the Daughters of the Confederacy has there been a conservative women's organization as influential as Moms for Liberty. These are people who are really on the wrong side of history and probably a present danger to their fellow Americans, right? What is Moms for Liberty? It's the vehicle for many of those right-wing school board victories. It launched last year in Florida, as so many conservative bad ideas do. So here's the interesting thing, to me at least, is that education has long been sort of the playground of the left. But now conservative organizations are coming in saying, you know what, what you're doing isn't working for us. We need to do it differently. But this is the reaction. They, they don't just try to compete with, against you with ideas. They, they try to tarnish you as being the devil's spawn. Yes, we have been called everything, racist, transphobe, bigot, Nazi now, apparently, for quoting Hitler and wanting to sound out a warning cry about the fact that, you know, the other regimes in other parts of the world and history have used schools to indoctrinate kids. American parents are watching this happen in American classrooms. All of America is watching this happen. I think the fact really is, John, we are disrupting the balance of power in public education. Teachers unions, 99 percent of donations from teachers unions go to Democrats. 
And we're calling out the failure in America's public schools and looking to the people that have been controlling the schools. And those are the teachers union. So, you know, they don't want to own the harm and the failure. But COVID woke American parents up. We are not going back to sleep and we will continue reclaiming and reforming school boards across this country. Well, as the 2021 Virginia election proved, this is uh, no doubt going to be a big issue in 2024. Uh, Tiffany, we will check back in with you to see how things are going. Meantime, uh, I, I expect the slings and arrows will continue to come your way. First of all, can I just say that Tiffany Justice is a great name for the founder of Moms for Liberty and the lady that is heading this up. I commend her for her stand, for her children. We've talked about this in the past. This is actually when Virginia was having their gubernatorial election. Uh, we saw the power of parents. Barack Obama came out and criticized parents during that election cycle when he was campaigning for the Democratic contender. And we saw Virginia turn into a red state, electing Glenn Youngkin and Winsome Sears in a place where nobody expected it to happen and they are making a difference for families in that state. So we know the difference that parents can make. You know, I saw a story, and I, I'm i pretty sure I covered it on my podcast back when it happened, but there was a story that was primarily focused on how Republicans and Democrats could come together on the basis of the fact that they both cared about their children. And I remember thinking, it's been a long time since we unified on any subject. But if you mess with someone's kids, they're going to have a unified front. And there's a saying that says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And when people start waking up, regardless of their ideological views, to the fact that the government cares more about controlling your child than giving them the best education... That's a sleeping giant. And as um, Tiffany said in this piece, she said they were asleep until COVID. COVID woke them up and they're not going back to sleep. So I really appreciate this. I hope that people will keep sharp. I hope that this will continue to bother people until the 2024 election. And I really hope that we get someone in the office as president that respects parents. Because, as I've said many times on this show, parents are the primary people that are responsible for the children of this nation. God founded families as the societal backbone upon which everything else should be based. Uh, neighborhoods are made up of families. Cities are made up of neighborhoods. States are made up of cities. And nations are made up of states where we are pursuing liberty, and liberty means living a solid life that puts others first, that looks for the best in humanity, and that is what we are called to do as Christians. The Bible says to let us esteem others better than ourselves. That was Paul's message to the Philippians, and it is just as relevant today as when he wrote it. And so I'm extremely excited to see that Tiffany is continuing to take a stand. And as I close uh, this part of the podcast, I just want to say this very clearly. 
I do not understand where the disconnect came between school boards and kids. Now, as I have said many times on the show, I was homeschooled. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm very proud of the fact. I'm thankful for the sacrifices that my parents have made so that I could have a godly, high-quality education, so that I could be grounded in the truth, so that when I went out into society, I was prepared to defend the truth. I'm so thankful for parents who raised me that way. But if you are going to have your children in public school, how did we get to this place where it is people that are disconnected from the children who are on the school board? The primary people that should make up the school board are the people whose children are in the school. Now, I'm not saying that nobody on the school board has children in the school. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there seems to be a huge disconnect in that department because these parents are going to school board meetings and saying, hey, the the material that you are covering with our kids is not reading, writing, and arithmetic, but is instead woke culture. You are allowing sexual things to be talked about in the classroom that should not be talked about you are reading texts that in any other context, and including the context of this school board meeting, is considered too vile to read in public, and yet you're exposing my children to it. And that's what this rising up to the school boards is, and I'm so glad that people are pushing back. You know, there's a lot of talk today about how bad society is getting, and it is. And the Bible prophesied this because it tells us that society is getting worse and worse. But I, for one, am grateful that we've come to a place in the United States of America where we understand our values and where we're pushing back on the woke culture, the liberal culture that wants us to give up those old-fashioned values, the tried-and-true foundations of our country. You know, Alexis de Tocqueville toured America, and he wrote a treatise called Democracy in America. It's a very long book. It would take a long time to read. But my favorite quote from Alexis de Tocqueville is his summation of this after this trip to America. Alexis de Tocqueville said, America is great because America is good, and if she ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. And then he traced the goodness of America to the pulpits of America that were aflame with righteousness. And today we are living in a place where we don't even know how to rightly divide the word of God. I've put a premium emphasis this year on the podcast on apologetics because we need to raise the next generation up to be able to rightly divide the word of truth and to be able to share it boldly with those around them. And when I was a kid, this is probably not true across the board because there's probably always been false teachers. As a matter of fact, I know there's always been false teachers because the book of John was written to counteract some very specific false teachers of the Apostle John's day. But at least culturally, as I was growing up, you had Christian culture and secular culture. And now they have merged so much that you can't even say, well, as a Christian basis, you shouldn't do that. 
um, if you're secular, I understand why you would do this because you don't know the Bible. But as a Christian, you shouldn't believe or do a certain thing. And now we have a whole new breed of progressive Christianity that says, yes, it's okay to do this in Christianity. God didn't really say that. We're going back to the Garden of Eden where the devil is taking the word of God and making it mean what he wants it to mean, regardless of what God said. The devil is great at quoting the Lord Jesus, quoting God, but he's horrible at doing it in context. And we have so many people on social media claiming to speak for God and not understanding one iota of the context of the word of God. And so this is the way we need to approach these things. We need to realize that this moral relativism and this living your truth, it permeates everything. And so I am so grateful for Tiffany Justice and the work she is doing in our public schools. And so I just wanted to commend her. I want to ask you to pray for her as she is going about her important task that she would rise to the occasion and not back down. Okay, the next story that I want to talk about comes out of Hollywood. And we have Kaylee McEnany, former press secretary of Donald Trump, talking about her response to the writers and actors strike in Hollywood. You know, the crew members, the caterers, that's who I worry about here. I don't want these guys to be out of a job because of a strike. So that's my point of view. Um, Dr. Sapphire, you were among the heroes, our healthcare workers who, in the middle of a pandemic, put your lives at risk and you showed up to work. That's who I care about, the meat packers who showed up to work, who kept this country going during our hardest hour. I personally, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, uh, especially people who depend on a paycheck for their livelihood. I don't think the higher echelons of Hollywood do, but I don't care about Hollywood coming to a halt. Uh, and and it, in essence, I think it will be a net benefit for society. I'd love to see people fill the gap like Angel Studios. Angel Studios has done The Chosen. Angel St- Studios did Sound of Freedom. They describe themselves as a film studio platform that helps creators come together with viewers to create high quality TV and film without the Hollywood guest work. Uh, guest work. So I want to see people like Angel Studios fill the gap. Um, I'll live to see another day without Hollywood. My family will too. I have a couple things to say about this. First of all, I want to say that on one level, I understand the need to strike. Things are changing all the time in Hollywood. I know that one of the issues related to this strike, at least for the actors, is the use of artificial intelligence in Hollywood productions and the fact that their likeness could be used in ways that they would not have any control over. That's among many things. But just to put this in perspective, I was talking to my dad over the last couple of days, and one thing I said was that it really bugs me when these entities go on strike, when you know that they had like a 10-year deal in place, that's that's just a guesstimate. They usually sign these long contracts for these labor negotiations, and what they really should do is start negotiating in year eight so they can negotiate for a year or even longer without interrupting things. But they don't do that. They take the cocky approach and they wait until 
the end of the last year of their contract and then they have to strike and walk away because they know that more people will pay attention to them if they do that. The next thing I want to mention in regards to the story is I like what Kaylee McEnany said about The Chosen. It's actually a fact that The Chosen is in the process of filming season four and when the writer's strike happened, they were able to keep going because they are completely independent writers. They're not members of the Hollywood Writers Guild, so they were able to just keep doing what they were doing. When the actor's strike happened, they stopped production because many of their actors are SAG actors. And so then they applied for a waiver, which they received, which allows them to continue filming because they are a small, independent television program not run by a major studio. So I do appreciate the fact that this is allowed to continue because of the way Angel Studios does business. However, I think one of the problems that I have with what Kaylee said is that one of the things that the Irwin brothers and Dallas Jenkins and other people who want to do quality work and even radio dramas like Unshackled and Avengers Odyssey do is that they hire professional actors to do work in their, on their films because they want them to be high quality films that people will watch and that are well done. And I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where they bring in a group of scabs to finish a film project because once you've started a film project with certain actors, you want to continue it with them. So I don't think it's as cut and dried as being able to just start over with only non-union actors. I mean, it would be great if they had an opportunity to make some projects that didn't involve the union or either union. But again, if you want professional grade people to do work for you, then you kind of have to wait these strikes out. One thing that I'm interested in seeing how this plays out is because there's so much content to watch over the last several years, like the last five years, as I have seen streaming services explode, the reality has been, especially for the last two or three years, that there are so many streaming services and so many opportunities to watch content that even if the writers and the actors take forever to come off strike, there will always be something to watch. And so that has to weigh heavily into their process as well that we don't want to be striking and off work too long to get people to not care about us anymore. I also just want to point out the fact that for every Tom Cruise, there are people just now breaking into the business that are affected by this strike as well. So when we think about this strike, it can be easy to say, well, just rich people trying to get richer. But let's pray for them. Let's hope that this stoppage gives people the opportunity to maybe evaluate some of the work they've done, maybe consider doing some other work, and let's see what happens from it. As I said, I would love to see some non-union 
projects take shape. But I know, like in particular, in the case of Unshackled, the Christian radio drama from Pacific Garden Mission, when they started in 1950, they tried amateur actors and they couldn't get the timing or the quality right to produce the kind of radio show they wanted to produce. And so they went to professional actors. And that's been very important for them in their, uh, you know, 70 years of broadcasting this show and, you know, you know, getting relatively close to 5,000 episodes on a weekly basis. It's crazy how much work they've done on this show. And so I just thought it was important to give some perspective. I know that entertainment is not in any way supposed to be the number one priority for us as Christians, but I think since we live in an entertainment society, it's important for good entertainment to continue to be able to be put out. And so I'm very thankful for places like Angel Studios, and I really enjoy reviewing their projects and bringing that information to you so that you can make good, informed decisions for your family. And The Sound of Freedom, which I reviewed recently, is doing very well in the box office against some movies that people thought were going to be huge box office titans. So I think we're sending a good message as a conservative society that, hey, Hollywood, these are the kind of movies we want, and we hope that you'll listen. Because if you'll put out good content, we will come to see it. And I really hope that message gets across. Well, we're going to end tonight talking about ice cream, particularly Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's stance on America's stolen indigenous land may be melting a bit now that a Native American chief in Vermont is calling on the ice cream maker to make goods in their remarks from July 4th. So in case you missed it, on Independence Day, our country's most patriotic holiday, Ben and Jerry's tweeted this. The U.S. exists on stolen indigenous land and called on the U.S. to give back the land, including Mount Rushmore. This morning on Fox and Friends weekend, the Native American chief called out Ben and Jerry's hypocrisy arguing that the ice cream maker's headquarters is actually on land that was previously owned by Native nations. So what could Ben and Jerry's be thinking? Here's the tribal leader's response. Watch. Well, I can't read their mind, Pete, so I think the best way is for Ben and Jerry's to reach out, uh, contact us as the uh, state-recognized uh, Abenaki tribes uh, in, in our homeland and, and where their uh, factories and headquarters sit and have a conversation. And uh, if they're willing to uh, work with us and, and, and help uh, uplift our people, then I'm there for the conversation. But we haven't had any contact yet. Charlie, this really annoys me. 
<laughs> right? I mean, these people are preaching to us, but they don't want to live by their own rules. By the land back movement, it's time for Ben and Jerry's to give up their property to indigenous people. Yeah. Uh, no, it, seriously, this is uh, a guy who's worth uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, he could. He has all the money in the world that he could give back to these people, give his property back uh, to, to the, these tribes. Uh, the bottom line is this is a, this whole conversation is about private property, which was the great blessing that European settlers brought to the Americas. And by th- private property, uh, you, you, we have uh, all of the advancement, all of the progress that we have enjoyed in this country has come through the concept of private property. And if you want to have a conversation, I mean, the, the horse has kind of left the barn on this. But if you want to have a conversation about private property and undo all of that, I don't want to hear a word out of you until you give away your own property and give away <laughs> yeah. every all the money you have made off of this system. But it's like classic liberal, right? Rules for thee, but not for me. I mean, that's totally what they on everything. COVID, everything. I want to pull up this quote. This is from the Ben and Jerry's a website talking about the land back movement, which is what they're advocating for. And it says this. It says it's about dismantling white supremacy and systems of oppression and ensuring that indigenous people can again govern the land their communities called home for thousands of years. Let's listen to another clip from the chief. And then I'm going to go to you, Tom. We are place-based people, and uh, we shared this this place with other animals, trees, and beings. So we were stewards of the land. Land back um, is a kind of a European term, I believe. Any time that we could re-steward that land would would be uh, a blessing for our people. So when I think about this story, I just laugh because I see this happening over and over again. Case in point, the social media influencers who are advocating communist ideas and saying that we should have communism in the U.S. and that capitalism is a danger, they are making money for these views based on the very capitalistic society that they claim to hate. It's sort of like those people that were so anti-Trump when he became president that they said, if he becomes president, we're going to leave the U.S. And to my knowledge, not a single one of them, at least the big name people, not a single one of them actually left the U.S. They are free to do that. They are free to move about the world. They're free to find a better place to live. Ben and Jerry's is free to give up the land, which they, by their definition, stole from the Indian tribes. Here's the reality, folks. As I've said many times on this podcast, from this microphone, the U.S. has made mistakes. Two of the biggest blotches on our history were the way we treated the African American and the way that we treated the Native American, the Indian. There are some awful chapters of our history related to that. But equally as awful is acting like the Indian tribes that were here before us were just hunky-dory, let's sit around the campfire together and sing Kumbaya and love one another while we can until we came over and messed everything up. 
The reality is that world history is filled with groups that possessed lands, lost them to other groups, and then possessed other lands. That is the bottom line. So similar to the reparations discussion, if you're going to give back your land to an Indian tribe, which one are you going to give it back to? I mean, you could give it back to the last known Indian tribe that popularized that area, but chances are they got it from another Indian tribe because of the infighting they did as Indian tribes among themselves. So let's not just act like Americans were the only aggressors here. The second thing is, if you're going to take this stance, then nobody living anywhere in America has a right to live where they live. And that's just too much to unravel. The reality is that we have a free society here, that we have built a free society on capitalism, and that capitalism means that anyone can succeed here in the United States of America. I have never made a ton of income, but I would rather live here where no one can tell me how much I can earn than go somewhere else and have everything quote-unquote paid for, but someone tell me where my ceiling is. That's just the reality of life. I want to be able to reach for the American dream. I want to be able to provide for my family and to be able to honor God with my finances. One interesting aspect is I had a discussion with a friend of mine who I used to work with at the Potter's House Christian School, and he literally said that he thought the only just tax in America was property tax because no one can actually own land. And while I respected his perspective, I disagreed. I actually think that property taxes is one of the first taxes that should be repealed because I actually got an up-close look at some of the struggles that people would have because even seniors that had spent years paying off their mortgage and making sure that they had that bill paid still struggled under the weight of huge property tax bills. And I noticed this when I was the deputy treasurer of my township. So I think that property taxes is one of the few things that should go the way of the dinosaur because I think that if you buy property and you pay off your mortgage and you're supposedly debt-free from that property, that no one should be able to take it away from you. To me, that's a bottom-line thing. And I think it's really easy for someone on their iPhone or Android, which was produced by capitalism, to get on and complain that people should give back their land because it didn't belong to them. But it turns out that if we go back far enough, none of the land 
that we have here in the U.S. belongs to any of us. And so if you're going to go down that road, how are you going to untangle this web? The reality is we need to be good stewards of the land that we are given, and we need to be kind and generous with those with whom we come in contact with. That is the Christian worldview, and that is what we are called to. The Bible says they will know we are Christians by our love. So my question is, we serve a God who says he is love. Is that what typifies your behavior? Now, I would add a quick caveat to this and remind you that no matter how loving you are, you can be perceived as a hater from someone who does not like the truth. Because, see, as Christians, we are called to share the truth even if it hurts. Perhaps especially if it hurts, because we can't embrace the good news, which is redemption in Jesus Christ, until we realize that we need redemption in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that while we are yet strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. But then it also says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So we were without strength, and we were headed for hell, and then Jesus plucks us out, gives us His righteousness, takes our sin, and considers that a just exchange. That's an awesome reality. And with that, I will say goodbye for this week's Culture Watch. For speaking for him, this is Andrew Gomison saying, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 